Broadcasting from the Socialist Republic of New York. New York. There's plenty of money in this country. It's just in the wrong hands. The Moss Show. Politics, current events, and just a bit of Judaism. Two guys that are always right. Except when their wives tell them they're wrong. You're listening to The Moss Show. Good evening, everybody. It's Nachman Mostovsky. And Chesky Moskowitz here. And we're bringing you the Ma Show. How's everybody doing? I'm good, Nachman. All right. It's been a little bit of a break after the holiday, but uh, I think we're back in uh, the saddle now. Hopefully. We have a great guest this week, Laura, Laura Loomer. Loomer. Yeah, Laura Loomer is going to join us for a little bit. And um, it's going to be a very interesting show. And we're going to discuss many of the different things that have happened and it's going to be a very very interesting discussion because she is the most banned person it seems now in the world uh, on social media so we're going to have her on for the show it's going to be a a special edition with Laura Loomer and uh, we hope you enjoy all right so we have with us Laura Loomer who is running now for congress in the great state of Florida Laura how you doing I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Tell us a little bit about uh, what's going on in Florida. Well, as you uh, just mentioned, I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District uh, in Palm Beach, Florida. And some exciting news this last week. President Donald Trump will uh, be a constituent of mine because he just declared his residency uh, at Mar-a-Lago. And so I'm very excited. Uh, I'm going to flip this district red. And I can't wait to represent the people of District 21, and I can't wait to represent uh, President Donald Trump and his beautiful wife, Melania. That's, that's great to hear. Um, so how, how, is, how has it been, you know, going, you know, when they say shoe leather to the ground? How has it been going around inside the district? Well, I'm having a lot of success, and there's a lot of momentum uh, behind my campaign. And, you know, my campaign has sparked a lot of interest uh, all around the world, not just here in Florida's 21st Congressional District, but all across the country and all around the world. Uh, Because as many people um, uh, know, and some may not know, I'm actually the most banned woman in the world. I'm the most censored person in this country, banned on every single social media platform for exposing Ilhan Omar's uh, Jew hatred and confronting uh, members of the radical left in my rumored videos. And because I am an outspoken, very popular supporter of President Donald Trump, uh, and because I had millions of followers on social media, uh, the big tech social media companies decided to collude with uh, the radical left and Democrats and groups like the Council on American-Islamic Relations, which is essentially Hamas, and they worked to get me shut down and banned on social media. And so um, I'm probably the only candidate running for Congress in this country or running for any form of elected office that is banned on every social media platform. And so I am, uh, you know, essentially being denied and having my civil rights violated. And this is what you call election interference. But even while having the big tech social media companies against me trying to sabotage my campaign and the local press and you know, really just press all around the country writing hit pieces on me on a daily basis. Um, I managed to out fundraise all of my GOP primary opponents combined times seven, plus Lois Frankel, uh, the Jewish uh, Democrat incumbent, four-term incumbent, who is the congresswoman in this district who I'm running against. Um, And so it just is to show you that you can try to kill the messenger, but you can't kill the message. And, uh, you know, the American people, the people of District 21, and I myself am not going to allow for big tech and their Democrat uh, co-conspirators to steal this election from me. I'm going to win, and I'm going to be President Laura, Donald Trump's congresswoman. woman. Laura, you, you were probably one of the first um, victims of the outright, what, what we are now seeing as a very, very slanted towards against conservatives on social media, you were probably one of the first victims of, you know, after they went after people that may have been, let's say, on fringes and stuff like that, you know, info wars and some of these other, what you would consider maybe fringe, you know, people, you were a very mainstream conservative, you know, uh, I don't know what you would consider yourself. I guess a new 
type of journalist, a neo-journalist, um, the people's journalist. I know they're calling them the citizen journalists. I mean, you would do yeah, things like going Nancy, Nancy, Nancy Pelosi's property and saying, you know, well, you know, we, we shouldn't have a wall. I mean, you were doing things that weren't considered, you know, like, you, you know, crazy, outrageous. You know, they may have been stunts and things like that, but they definitely were not things that should have gotten you banned on social media. Um, I'm just curious, are they allowing you to create social media accounts for your campaign, or they're not even allowing you to do that? Um, I don't have any social media for my campaign. And in fact, they're trying to suppress my campaign because Twitter changed their entire uh, political uh, set of rules in response to my announcement that I was running for Congress. So, you know, it's really crazy. This is how much these people are monitoring me because um, as many people may know, some may not know, I've actually sued all of the tech companies. So I'm having you know, I have some very high-profile lawsuits at the moment against Facebook, Twitter, Google, Apple, and the Council on American-Islamic Relations. I also sued Rashida Tlaib. And my lawsuits, um, originally the antitrust case uh, with the claim that there was uh, censorship against conservatives was dismissed. And then my attorneys appealed, and big tech social media companies all tried to have the case dismissed. Well, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals struck down their motion for dismissal and they actually ruled in my favor and so um, I get to go to DC and deliver an oral argument in the DC Circuit Court of Appeals against uh, uh, these big tech companies um, who are involved when, in my when class action lawsuit. Be? When is that? Um, a trial date hasn't actually been set yet or the appeal date uh, but I also sued Facebook for defamation because in May, Facebook permanently banned me and they labeled me a dangerous individual. And according to their own definition of a dangerous individual, it's somebody who is a terrorist, somebody who has, um, you know, incited violence or somebody who's a serial killer. And that's literally word for word. You can go and look it up on the Facebook um, uh, page yourself. Uh, that's what they described me as. So obviously yeah. this has a lot of like real life implications because I'm 26 years old and I've never committed a crime in my life. I'm simply loyal to President Trump and I'm popular and a lot of people followed me and I'm effective and I managed to piss off a lot of Democrats and expose them. And so, uh, you know, you can you can see it's devastated my my business. I've lost 90 percent of my my income. My, uh, you know, the financial viability of my business has been shattered. Um, I've been branded as a terrorist. And so it's not like I could even just like quit my job and go work in, you know, the public sector or private sector because no Laura, one would hire me. Laura, I have a question me? for you. Based, yeah. yeah, Laura. So, so based on, let's, let's get into that for a second, how they shattered your business. Because like a lot of listeners don't realize that people on social media, people such as yourself, they are truly like supported through various uh there's like through their podcast and through merchandising and stuff like that. Like if you don't mind, let's get into that for a second. Oh tell our listeners a little bit about how much money like on a on a in like real numbers if you can you lost because of this ch total shutdown of your ability to do your job, so to speak. Well of course you have uh when you're when you're talking about damages right and i've like i said i've sued these companies you have to understand i'm a public figure and so essentially they have uh you know shattered my ability to further grow as a public figure and further uh you know brand myself and bring an income or projected income or secure um uh, business deals uh with uh, my status as a public figure and the work i was doing and so i wasn't backed by you know, major corporations. I didn't have support of the mainstream media. I was funded by, you know, grassroots patriots from across the country and really across the world, people who would just donate to my journalism. And so I was, and I still have my business. I have a team of writers and employees who I pay a production team. And I would say I have lost, um, you know, just over the last nine months, I've had to spend um, nearly $200,000 on legal fees. And I've lost millions wow. of dollars because I had investors lined up ahead of 2020 who were going to invest, uh, you know, potentially several millions of dollars into my business because I was going to be traveling across the country um, confronting 
um, you know, radical leftists ahead of the presidential campaign. And I had plans to train people, to loomer people. And all of this uh, basically went away um, when they banned me because the investors uh, didn't invest because there was no social media to amplify my message. I had a book deal that was crushed um, because I didn't have a way to promote the book because I was banned. Um, and I was also talking about getting a podcast that was going to be somewhat lucrative as well. Um, and so we're talking about potentially millions of dollars, maybe even more, because wow. who are they to define what I can accomplish in America? Right. We live in the greatest country in the world and the American dream is possible. Who's to say that my business wouldn't have been a multi-billion dollar media company? Right. I, I was I was accomplishing things and doing things that nobody else had ever done before. You know, I I got Keith yeah. Ellison to resign from the DNC. I confronted Jack Dorsey in front of Congress. You know, I handcuffed myself to Twitter. I put illegal aliens on Nancy Pelosi's lawn. Uh, you know, I exposed Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib. I shut down the Women's March and exposed them as the anti-Semitic organization they were. And we're talking about millions of dollars of earned media just from my investigations, right? I exposed the lies from the FBI right, and the sure. Las Vegas shooting investigation. And so the damages are... Which, by the way, Laura, the FBI, the FBI investigation is still not solved. Right, people exactly. people don't know that. And so when you when you if look only at you me, were around, we would have probably known something. <laughs> well, I did my best until they they even banned me from MGM Resorts and the the FBI press conferences. Laura. But listen, oh, John. Uh, Laura, what what I'm just curious, what's stopping you from creating Laura for Congress? You know, uh, uh, Laura Loomer for Congress or uh, the congressional page for Laura Loomer? Have you been told that they would shut that down the second you would create those accounts? So going, yeah, to answer your question, when I was permanently banned and labeled a dangerous individual, they started banning people from based on their associations. And so when Michelle Malkin posted a picture of me on Facebook, they threatened to ban Michelle Malkin because they said that I was a dangerous individual and she shouldn't be posting my picture. And so they have basically said that any mention of dangerous individuals will be deleted and they deleted my fan club accounts and any mention. So just people who were uh, posting in support of me on my fan clubs had their accounts deleted. So why would they allow me to have campaign social media? And then when I filed oh, I to run for Congress, Twitter changed their rules. So they said that all candidates running for office would have a verified check mark. And literally one day after I announced, they, they said, oh, you have to win your primary first. And Florida has the latest primary in the country. And so that was like 11 weeks till the general election. So that's their way of, of basically you know, giving me the finger and screwing me throughout the election cycle. Uh -huh. Now, I'm curious, are, are you going to be suing them as well for tortious interference in, for business? Because that's, that's a real... Yeah, so that's I, a real sued, I did. Yeah, I did. So I sued CARE and Twitter for tortious interference because in January, the, the Wall Street Journal uh, released a report that showed that uh, CARE, which is a terrorist organization, and they are actively suing the Trump administration on behalf yeah, of ISIS terrorists. They're, they're, um, they're an unindicted co-conspirator in the Holy Land uh, yeah, uh, case. But so they're, they're, they're a terrorist organization. Yeah. They are a terrorist organization. And they actually lobbied exactly. Twitter to, uh, to ban me. So Twitter had these secret meetings with um, you know, these jihadists from CARE who targeted me because I'm Jewish and because I was exposing Ilhan Omar. I mean, we're talking about civil rights violations here. And um, that's tortious interference. So I sued them and my lawsuits are ongoing. And, um, you know, I'm sure that um, there's going to be more litigation as well. But the most egregious thing, I think, is Facebook deeming me a dangerous individual. And then this is where it gets really scary. The day that I filed my lawsuit against Facebook for defamation, they changed their terms of service to say that it was okay for people to basically murder me. So they posted a section that said, you're not allowed to post death threats or incite, quote, high severity violence against anybody unless it's somebody who's deemed a dangerous individual. And so Facebook has 2 billion users and they told those 2 billion people that it was basically open season on my life. Right. So they have put me in danger. And obviously, I can't afford to have full time security because that would cost hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. And, you know, they've destroyed. I can't even take a salary. Right. Like I I'm focused on trying to pay the writers that I have for my site now, but they have really financially immobilized me and made it very difficult for me 
um, to um, even make a living in, a, in America, even though I have a degree in journalism. I graduated top of my class. I was valedictorian. And they're, they're, they're basically sticking Islamic terrorist organizations on me and telling people that I'm more dangerous than ISIS. You know, because ISIS has a Facebook, I mean, but I don't. Funny. You know, they, they, the, the left goes around saying that a lot of these citizen journalists, they're not journalists, right? They, they'll say that about guys like uh, um, uh, O'Keefe, and they'll say like guys like uh, the guys at Breitbart, and the guys at all these other right-wing sites that a lot of these guys, that might be lawyers, accountants, they ended up in journalism somehow, whatever the case may be. But you're now saying you actually were valedictorian of, of a journalism degree. And they're considering yes. you to not be a journalist. Yes, and Wild. yeah, they have Amazing. they have these they have these fake news morons who are accusing Brett Kavanaugh of being a rape, rapist, spreading Russia, you know, Ukraine conspiracy theories, and they call me a conspiracy theorist. And meanwhile, everything that I've ever said turns out to be true. And I'm not going to I apologize mean, for being ahead of the curve. Yeah. Look what happened with you know? ABC. Now, 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 this may actually be criminal. What ABC did. Because they very possibly allowed for three years for what they're saying now the most prolific pedophile ring in the country's history to continue all because ABC was scared of, of the, the palace in England and because they didn't want to screw around with, um, pun intended, with, uh, with Bill Clinton. And, and yeah. um, you know, now, and, and now we're, we're, you know, because James O'Keefe, Project Veritas, has made this stuff come out. I mean, he was on last night with uh, uh, Andrew, with, right. with um, Stephen Crowder, and um, and and some of this information is absolutely shocking. What is coming out, where where regular ordinary whistleblowers are going can't even go to journalists anymore, and they have to go to somebody like 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 Project Veritas to get this information right. out. Where 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 the journalism is completely yeah. skewed in one. In one so, so they shut journalists like you down. They then yeah. skew the actual any other journalism that's going around. They skew that for political purposes, and and then they want to know why the right is is angry about this. And and you know, I, I do agree that that what the tortious interference is a civil liberties issue. Though these are private companies, if if they're going to claim that they are, they 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 want their cake and they and they want to eat it too. They want to claim that they're not publishers, but then claim that you're a terrorist, and then hide behind the fact that they're that they're that they're no different than my telephone or my internet provider. Well, yes, but you're at, you're right. But the thing, yeah. Well, what's even more dangerous is they, yeah, they say, yeah, and they say right, they say that I'm dangerous because I'm a terrorist, right? But they have actual terrorist organizations online. So a whistleblower actually came forward a couple months ago and provided evidence that Facebook was auto-generating pages and advertisements for ISIS. And so ISIS is not considered dangerous, but I'm considered dangerous because I'm a Jewish woman, I'm 26 years old, and I support the president and confront radical leftists, right? And you're right about Project Veritas, and that's where I used to work. My first job out of college was actually working for Project Veritas. And one of the reasons why the left hates me so much is because I was one of the undercover uh, journalists working undercover in the Hillary Clinton campaign for James O'Keefe and Project Veritas, exposing Hillary Clinton's voter fraud and corruption during the 2015-2016 presidential race. And, you know, even though I was undercover at the time and Donald Trump probably had no idea who I was, he was actually like tweeting about and mentioning my videos during the presidential race. Because, you know, I was I was deeply embedded in the Hillary Clinton campaign at fundraisers. And I got Huma Abedin on camera talking about how she was going to allow for all the Syrians in. And Donald Trump tweeted about it. So um, they know this. And they it's now public. Like James O'Keefe has mentioned me in his book. And so because I played a significant role in helping President Trump get elected with my undercover work, um, I believe that's why these companies also, some of them are probably targeting me is because, uh, look what they're doing to Roger Stone. Basically, everybody who's been loyal to President Trump and has refused to turn on him, they're they're trying to ruin our lives. So let let I don't know if if, if the president or anybody I don't know if the president or anybody important listens to this podcast, but if you had a message for the president about Roger Stone, because I I want to digress to Roger Stone for a second, what would it be? Tessie's a big Tessie's a big fan of Roger Stone. 
I, I, I learned how to dress from Roger Stone. <laughs> well, look, I would say, you know, we we do not have a justice system in our country anymore. I, I was told, and, and I've seen reports of this, that out of the 82 people on the jury pool for the Roger Stone trial, there were only two Republicans. And the judge, uh, I think her name is Judge Amy Jackson, she dismissed the two yeah. Republicans. But yet Obama... And By the way, you want to hear a funny tidbit about Amy Jackson? Laura, yeah. you want to hear a funny tidbit? She's my yeah. wife's cousin. But, they are uh, very, very ashamed of her. <laughs> but what's interesting is, isn't there somebody, at least one or two people, that actually worked, worked for the Obama White yes. House on that, in that pool? Yeah, so they have Obama and Hillary operatives working. I think they said, what's her name, Palmieri? I mean, it's unreal, yes. that Palmieri woman. It's like she she's on the trial. So, look, it's... You can't have justice. This, this is a witch hunt. It's None fine. This case is going to be tossed. Uh, it's just got to be tossed. No matter what happens, he's following an appeal because this is what the judge said. Is, I'm not a lawyer, but it, it, from common sense, it's so appealable. He said, well, this case is not about Donald Trump. It's about Roger Stone. But but it's not. Roger Stone, it's all about Donald Trump. So the, the, the whole thing's insane. And this is all this is all a big this is all a big problem. And this is what so Andrew Breitbart used to speak about this, and he wrote about this in his book. The conservatives and the Republicans completely fell asleep from the 1950s to the 1990s, and they basically allowed the left to take over everything: the judgeships, the media, the courts, the the the, the uh, Hollywood, the school system, and they never and they never allow and, and the right completely fell asleep. And all they thought is if they have these charts and these diagrams and they can talk about fiscal responsibility, they can bore everybody to death and make everybody vote for them. And people like you and, and this new crop of conservatives coming out of the millennial generation, and now we're starting to see them coming out of Generation Z, we're starting to see a new crop of conservatives. And I think that's, I think Donald Trump is just about 60 years older than the people that understand what he's doing. He, he's 60 years before his time, whereas he's he's the he's the Republican of the 20 to 30 year olds now, and I think that's why the older people, people like my grandparents' age, they love him so much because Republicans, because they are Republicans that 50 years had the crap kicked out of them, and no one ever fought back. But then you have the guys that are in the middle of the 40s and the 50s, and that's where you see the never Trumpers. The never Trumpers are really in that late 40s, mid-50s, up until like 60 years old, that's where the never-Trumpers live, in that age category. And they they're all a bunch of neocons. A lot of them are neocons, but not all of them. But I think they still think that Republicans need to be respectable, and they need to come with kid gloves, and we are, you know, and be nice. That stuff doesn't work anymore. Look what they're doing to Laura. And all she did was expose people as a journalist. She has a degree in journalism where she literally graduated top of her class, and they are claiming she's not a journalist. Laura, right. I want to, I want to, I want to move on to a couple other things. I mean, as you said, I don't know if you mentioned this. I don't, I don't know if our audience knows, but you're a Jewish candidate. Yeah, so like I am. I don't know if she's a Jewish candidate. If I'm not mistaken, this is the first time two Jewish women are going one against the other. Correct. Correct. And also, too, when I win my congressional race, I'll be the youngest person ever elected to Congress. And when I beat and unseat Lois Franco, I'll be the first Republican Jewish woman ever elected to the United States Congress. I don't believe there has ever been a Republican Jewish woman who has served in the United States Congress. I could tell you that I've, I've, I've mentioned your candidacy to many people on the Hill, including some members of Congress and leadership. And they're definitely watching closely. But I want to I want to get a little I want to take this uh, conversation a little bit more personal for a couple different a couple different uh, on a couple different uh, topics. First of all, can you talk to our audience a little bit about what that how you what does that mean to you to be that Jewish Republican fighting this fight? I'd love to hear your like personal insights into that. Yeah, it's a great question. Well, look. You know, I've always been very passionate about what I do. I've been a patriot. Uh, I love this country. I also love Israel. And I'm a supporter of freedom. And one of the things that is so disgusting to me is that, you know, when we when we said never again, 
after the Holocaust, we, we made a promise to the people of the world, not just the Jewish people, but all people, that we would never allow for atrocities like the Holocaust to ever happen again. And over the last few years, um, and look, I have experienced anti-Semitism since I was a child, right? And in school, I was bullied. Um, I was bullied in high school. I was bullied in college. I went to college in Miami, Florida, and I had a lot of Muslim students who were at my university, and they would say the most abhorrent things to me because I was Jewish. And, you know, I have witnessed a rise in anti-Semitism in this country and really around the world, um, levels of anti-Semitism, just pure Jew hatred that we have never really seen before since the time of the Holocaust. And it's people like Lois Frankel, who I'm running against, right, a self-hating Jew. These Democrat Jews who don't want to take a stand against the Jew hatred and, and just the rise of bigotry in our country from people like, you know, the jihadists serving in Congress, people like Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, who get away with advocating for members of ISIS, bringing members of the Muslim Brotherhood into their offices, working with the Council on American-Islamic Relations, who employs people who think, who, who believe in eradicating Jewish people, right? These are women who have refused to condemn Hamas. And unfortunately, they are being glorified as heroes. They are being put on the front page of magazines and called fashion icons and heroes and invited to all these, you know, festivals. And they're trying to uh, make these, 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 these vile women uh, appear as if they're uh, icons, right, for the youth of America and the youth of the world. And, you know, nobody in the Democrat Party is calling this out. And unfortunately, I don't really see many people in the Republican Party uh, in Congress taking a strong enough stance against this, right? I mean, people should be staging, staging, staging protests all across the country over the fact that we have one. 100%, Laura, 100%. And we've actually spoken to some members of Congress about this. A lot of, I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of them are very nervous to, to wade in that water because yeah, because she's a Muslim. Because she's a Muslam. Because she's a Muslim, and they don't want to be called an Islamophobe. Like right? They either get called yeah. an Islamophobe, or what's weird is they get called an anti-Semite, which is the strangest thing because they stick up for Jews and then get called an anti-Semite. But well, like, if you call out George Soros and you're not and you're not an Orthodox Jew with the yarmulke, then automatically you're branded an anti-Semite. Well, and no, yeah, you are. I mean, they call Ben Shapiro a Nazi, and the guy wears a yarmulke. He's an Orthodox Jew. Right, but and and then they and call then, me and a Nazi. Ben Shapiro, <laughs> right? So, Laura, they call you. So you get you get all the hate from the left. But do you have do you have do you get any of the hate from that like far right part of the of, like, uh, of Nick Fuentes, like Nick Fuentes? Like, what does Nick Fuentes say about Laura Loomer? Honestly, look, I'm going to tell you something about Nick Fuentes, right? Nick Fuentes is actually very nice to me. And the thing is, is I think that Nick Fuentes has a respect for me, even though I find his views and his comments about Israel and Jews to be uh, atrocious, uh, because I support free speech. And, you know, I am one of probably only, you know, few members of, of the Jewish conservative movement in this country who has actually sat down and had conversations with some of these uh, more, you know, I guess, you know, I don't know how you want to describe them, right? But uh, some people will call them far right or extremists, or, or some people have described them as neo-Nazis, white supremacists. But I believe in conversation, right? I don't, I don't think that we should be banning people or right, shutting people we, down for their speech. Right, I think that we don't, we, 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 we don't, we, we, we don't, we do not, we do not, we do not support getting him banned on any I, social media. Because, yeah. Because getting and him so, banned is how you got banned. Yeah, and so he has actually said nice things about me because I have respected his right to free speech. And look, I think also there's a lot of stigma against Jewish people because when you look at the conversation that's coming from some of these people, right, they always talk about the quote-unquote Zionist cabal, and they, they say that, you know, that, that the Jews control everything. But the fact of the matter is, right, there's different types of Jews. You have the Zionist Jews, the patriots like, like you and I, people who – support tougher immigration. We are patriots. We love this country, uh, right? We are, we stand against uh, Islamic terrorism. And then you have the globalists, the, the people like those working over at the ADL and, and people like Jeff Zucker, the oh, head yeah. of CNN, who are aligning themselves with enemies of the Jews, enemies of America, enemies of, 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 of Israel. And so um, I can understand why some people have these 
false stereotypes or animosities because when you look at um, the voices that are being amplified the most, it's those of of, of, of globalists or like I say, self-hating Jewish people who really aren't truly devoted to protecting uh, Jewish people, protecting the state of Israel um, or their Jewish values. And that's a conversation and we need is, to have within the Jewish community. And this is why we really have now taken our organization, Hova Beit Zion, in, 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 in this direction so that people can start to hear that, that the Jewish people do have other voices. Now it's interesting. It's interesting that you mentioned before about um, about you know how how these Democrats will not um, reject their own party. And and we actually were both interviewed. I mean, the, the interview yet is yet to air. It's going to air in a few weeks, I think, on Channel 12 in Israel. And we were interviewed, both Chesky and I. And the question that came up was very similar to their interview when they did with Jason Greenblatt. And it was about the, the the loyalty claim from the president, and he she asked us how we felt about it, and we looked at her like she was from Mars. No, number one, we knew she was going to be asking us this question. We we had a very good inkling. We actually started laughing when she asked us. She said, "Why are you laughing?" Because we knew you were going to ask this. So she thought it was going to be a gotcha question, and it wasn't. We were prepared, and what we said was, and, and this has been my view all along. The first time I saw that. I inherently understood what the president was talking about. He meant, because he said loyalty to the Jewish people. He did not mean Israel. He also then qualified that with loyalty to Israel. So the loyalty that he was talking about was clearly to what he considers to be the Jewish people and the Jewish country. He did not, negative. it wasn't a negative remark about loyalty to America. And, and what I think he was talking about was what you see with the loyalty of the Jewish laborites in England, where they are leaving the Labor Party. And just today, just today you see the front page of the Jewish Chronicle. I think it's one of the largest Jewish um, newspapers in England. The right. headline is, to all our fellow British citizens, this front page is addressed not to our usual readers, but to those who would really Right. Corbyn is an anti-Semite, any Jew in England can be anti-Semite, and then over 50% Oh, your phone is starting to cut out. Your phone I couldn't hear a lot of what you just said because the phone is cutting out. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Question. Able to bless our message because to me, it's very what I feel is so important is I think a lot of the reasons why a lot of the a lot of the far right has that they feel that they not with they bias as a Jewish organization equal immigration. Right. It's the phone is cutting out. The phone is cutting out very bad. It's very hard to hear you. We're sorry. We're on. We're on our way to D.C. for uh, some more meetings with some uh, United States senators. So uh, oh, okay. Do you hear us now? Yeah. You hear us yeah, now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Now I can hear you. So I'm saying, like, I'm saying, like, I think that a lot of the reason, that a lot of the issue is that they have this misconception about what Judaism is really all about. How do we change that narrative? Like, do you feel like there's a way to have dialogue with people like that on the right? I feel like on the well, left, there's this inherent hatred because of the whole Israeli-Arab conflict and the Palestinian issue. 
But on the right, there shouldn't really, there should be a way to um, create dialogue between both sides of the movement. Well, yeah, look, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. And you mentioned a good point about highest, right? And when you look at a lot of attacks um, that have been carried out by extremists against members of the Jewish community, um, it's not that they have been motivated by a hatred uh, for Jewish individuals. It has been motivated by, um, by reactions to things that certain Jewish organizations have done. Um, mostly left-leaning Jewish organizations, unfortunately. For example, um, and I know you and I have talked about this uh, privately between ourselves, but the guy who walked into the synagogue in Pittsburgh and um, killed, you know, innocent uh, Jewish people, it was horrible, right? It was horrible. It was absolutely disgusting. And the media said that he did it because he hated Jewish people. Um, but what we ended up finding out after the fact is that he was actually upset because it was a synagogue that had partnered with Hyatt. And Hyatt, of course, right. is a left-leaning Jewish organization that brings in a lot of Islamic migrants into the country. And he wasn't angry towards Jewish people. He was angry about Islamic immigration. And so that is why he carried out the attack. And it's, I'm not making excuses because it's horrible. It's absolutely disgusting. And right, no you know, one should guy, have a right to express their anger through violence. Nobody, yeah, exactly. And it is, it is disgusting and it is horrible what he did. Um, but no one in the media had this discussion about the real reason why he did what he did. At the end of the day, right, there's, there's no justifying anything because it's an evil act. It's a very evil act and he deserves to be punished for the rest of the life, for the, for the rest of his life for what he did. I mean, he took innocent lives. Um, but you can't just go around falsely, you know, saying, oh, this is because of white supremacism, when in reality, right, just like what happened in El Paso, people are starting to get very angry, and they're having these kind of um, explosive, violent reactions uh, to things like illegal immigration. And so when President Donald Trump says we have an immigration crisis in our country, he's right. Yeah, and I think that it's causing people to... Um, react violently uh, because some people are unstable in our society and you know you can't always control what people are going to do but chances are you know you're going to have certain you know individuals in society who may have mental illness and they may react in this way um, but we need to have a conversation about the immigration elements here and how it's you know inciting these these feelings in, in certain people who have committed these mass shootings I mean, it's, you're seeing that a little bit in Brooklyn as well. Um, I don't, I, I'm assuming you're, you're familiar because you're, you're on top of a lot of the you know, anti-Semitic attacks, things like that. But you're, you're seeing this explosive behavior. What's interesting is, is, is what's being done about it, where, where you have the mayor, uh, the wonderful Bill de Blasio, who thought it was a good idea to, uh, like Bernie Sanders did his wedding, um, he went on his honeymoon in, in the Soviet Union, our idiot mayor did his honeymoon in Cuba. So after after doing fundraising for the Sandinista government, so um, our wonderful mayor Bill De Blasio actually gets up all the time and trashes landlords. Now in some communities, a lot of the landlords are, are Jews, and what happens is in a lot of these communities, when you basically say that landlords are all evil, they're all bad, and these guys, and what's funny is most of the people that are committing these acts live in city buildings, they live in NYCHA buildings. But when they say yeah. that landlords are the cause of all their problems, they go around and they beat the ever-living daylights out of Jews. People have had their eye sockets busted, concussions. Yeah. Some people have been into a coma. It's been very bad in Brooklyn. And it's gotten yeah. to the point, and, and, and our mayor two or three weeks ago got, got up and said, it's these very, far-right Trump-supporting Republicans that are doing all these anti-Semitic attacks in New York City. I called up the Brooklyn chairman of the Republican Party, and I said, hey, did you know that you had so many minority members inside the party in Brooklyn? And he said, yeah, I wish they would actually come out and vote. Because um, these, these attacks are not happening by white Irish-Italian Republicans. But why are they attacking landlords? 
it's a response to de Blasio's policies, and de Blasio is an anti-Semite. De Blasio hates Jewish people, and he's friends with Linda Sarsour. He's had fundraisers with her before. De Blasio hates Jews, and that's what we need to um, talk about here, because I confronted Bill de Blasio about being a vile Jew hater at the Women's March when he got up on stage, even after I exposed the Women's March as a Jew-hating uh, you know, Nation of Islam front organization that kicked out their Jewish leaders, um, and he didn't seem to care. And just like Bill de Blasio, um, you know, is trying to blame the attacks of other Jew haters on Trump supporters, he needs to take responsibility for his actions. This is a result of Bill de Blasio resettling Islamic migrants into Jewish communities in places like Brooklyn. And when Bill de Blasio called for illegal aliens to be settled, when he called for, um, you know, Syrian migrants to be settled in, in New York, a lot of those people went into heavy Jewish communities. And because the media is not reporting it, right, people don't know about this, but a lot of these Orthodox Jews are actually being attacked by Muslims. And no one wants to have that conversation because they don't want to be accused of being Islamophobic. But it's the same exact thing like Bill de Blasio did when he attacked the Orthodox Jewish community about uh, measles outbreaks. He tried to blame it on the Jews when in reality, um, you know, the Jewish people, their children are not giving people infectious diseases. What's happening is you have an importation of illegals and migrants who come from countries where they have below um, uh, they have negative standards when it comes to, um, you know, vaccinations, when it comes to, uh, you know, the health standards um, of their children and, and what they require in their countries. And so you have these caravans of people coming, many of whom have infectious diseases, tuberculosis, measles, mumps. Um, I mean, it's, it's horrible, right? Even our own Border Patrol officers are being subjected to this. And then they're settling into these communities. And then de Blasio blames the Jews because he doesn't want to take responsibility for his own policies. I mean, that's the truth. I don't care if it offends people, because that's the truth. The most disgusting thing about the resettling of the Syrians was he said, well, we already have a Syrian community, so it'll be good. What's funny is the Syrians in Brooklyn, you know who they are? They're Orthodox Jews and Catholics. The Syrian Catholics lived in Bay Ridge for about 50 to 60 years now, and they've been transplanted by Syrian Arabs, that got Syrian Muslim, uh, Arab Muslims, that they ran away from. So now their neighborhoods yeah. with their churches, they have beautiful churches in, 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 in uh, Niker Heights, Bay Ridge, uh, Red Hook, and, and these communities have completely been taken over by, by what's interesting is, both Muslims and the Chinese. An another group that built the Blasio for some strange reason has allowed to completely flourish illegal Chinese money. Mm -hmm. These guys are buying you know, one, two, three family homes and sticking seven, eight families in them jacking up the yeah. property tax value, and the Irish Italians are being taxed out of their own homes. It's horrible. Yeah, and you know what I'm saying is completely true. I mean, I, I thought it was so disgusting when Bill de Blasio a few months ago tried blaming, you know, the Orthodox Jewish community for the rise in, in, in mumps um, in, in the school system. And it's disgusting. It's an act of anti-Semitism, and it creates a lot of um, aggression towards Jewish people. And around the same time that he was accusing them of, of spreading diseases because he's such a Jew hater, you were seeing uh, attacks rise in New York City. You were seeing a surveillance video of, of Jewish men being pummeled in the middle of the night, being robbed, being attacked. And the media just doesn't really want to report uh, the real reason why it's happening. And that's why, you know, independent journalism it's, is it's important because... It's almost become, yeah. a, it's, it's literally, I, I, these WhatsApp, these videos go around over WhatsApp and social media within the Jewish community. But as you said, the media will not pick it up. And it's almost become now a daily thing in the neighborhoods of Crown Heights, Borough Park, um, um, and, and some of the other, you know, it hasn't spread to like Midwood yet, which is, which is, which is not, a, a, it's a non-Hasidic Orthodox Jewish community. But in the Hasidic communities, it has become almost a daily, it, it's for sure weekly now. But it's almost become almost like a bi-daily attack um, where, where and, and then yesterday we hear from the NYPD, well, they're trying to do their job. They're just, they're just they, they themselves are having difficulties because they themselves are petrified that if they make an arrest, Bill de Blasio is going to call them a bunch of racists. So the, they, the NYPD has their own, their own issues because they have a mayor that won't stick up for them. So, so they, they now say yesterday that there's going to be arrests soon. But the second 
Yeah, and and ultimately, you know, this is why we're in the situation we are in this country right now, and this is why we have people like Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib in Congress, is because people are so afraid of being called an Islamophobe or a racist or a bigot for speaking out about this and recognizing the pattern and say, hmm, doesn't anyone find it interesting how majority of the attacks on, on Jews in Brooklyn are being committed by Muslim refugees or Muslim migrants? Hmm. You know, you, you can't even in say culture, things like that anymore because they'll just ban you like culture, they did to me. Ann Coulter has, in her last two or three books, she always says how you the can Coulter tell role. right away. <laughs> if you can tell right away when you're reading a news article, if it says, if it says uh, a Michigan man, we're talking about an, an illegal um, um, Muslim migrant because, because right. – no, no, that those are the only ones where you never see descriptors. And exactly. What, what's interesting is it's 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 the most it's the most insane thing. She write article after article after article, and and then she says their name, and you're like, oh, okay. Laura, I want to ask you. Just mentioned mentioned Rashida Tlaib and Elon Omar again. Those two fresh women, uh, wonderful women. Let me ask you a question. If you can describe for our audience, don't AOC. She's as much as somebody as those two. It's true. Describe to us the first 120 days of Laura Loomer in Congress. <laughs> well, you know, look, look. I, unlike a lot I of other politicians, I'm just hoping that my office is placed right next door to Ilhan Omar's. All right, because. I think she's going to think twice about opening her mouth and being such a Jew hater when she sees me walking the halls of Congress. All right. Same with Rashida Tlaib, who I've sued. And this is the problem is we have a lot of people in Congress who want to talk and talk and talk, but none of them actually have the balls to call these women out and really confront them the way they need to be confronted. And I've done it before, right? You can see the videos on my channel. I've already confronted AOC, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib. I put illegal aliens on Nancy Pelosi's lawn. Right, I chased Maxine Waters into an elevator and asked her why why she was inciting violence against Trump supporters. So, you know, I don't make. But you for Trump sure have to have. You, yeah. But you for sure have to have like at least like like five policy actions that you already right. are like so planning. Let's, let's, I wanted to, I wanted to get into that. Besides all you know, obviously all of this stuff. What what can we see policy wise? You know, you know, real meat and potatoes. I guess you could say. What the Laura Loomer Congressional Office is going to be, you know, pushing. Yep. Obviously, obviously, the non-obvious ones. Obviously, it's stronger right. borders, you know, support of Israel, mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, decreasing anti-Semitism, stuff like that. But let's look meat and potatoes inside the district. What are we talking well, about? Look, what, what types of things are you going to be talking about? I just announced on August 2nd, and I'm pretty sure that my, my campaign team would probably murder me if they, if they found out that I rolled out the policy, you know, on, on an interview. We are going to be, I am working with, um, you know, high-level advisors and strategists and experts from across the country right now informing the best policy. And right now, I'm really going on a listening tour within my community uh, with my strategists and campaign team, and we are listening to the needs of the people in the district. But ultimately, right, it's about making people feel safe again. It doesn't matter where you are in the country, right? People just want to feel safe again. And Lois Frankel, who I'm running against, right, she has prioritized the rights and the needs of illegal aliens over um, over American citizens, right? She is an illegal alien first type of representative. She is participating in these wild conspiracy theories and the witch hunts against President Donald Trump and was one of the first members of Congress to call for impeachment, even prior to re the release of this now infamous transcript, okay? And President Donald Trump, the reason why this race is going to be so significant and the most watched congressional race in, in, in the country this year is because Democrats are going to do everything in their power to try to make sure that they can continue to terrorize the president in his own backyard now that he is an official resident of District 21. And I want to flip this district red for the people of District 21. I want to give them real leadership, but also I want to give President Donald Trump a loyal and supportive, respectful representative in his own backyard who is going to stand with him and defend him and be his bulldog in Congress. All right. Thank you very, very much, Laura. This was a great, and we hope to have you on again, you know, uh, in the near future as your campaign uh, does start to roll out these policies. You know, we would love to have you on to explain, to, to go into the nuances 
of what many of these policies will be. And we do wish you a lot of luck. We're very excited. We're very, 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 we, I'm telling you right now, we meet with Congress members all the time. And a few races that we bring up, yours is one of the ones that they're all, a lot of them are very, they're just excited because it's bringing, it's bringing out a message that, is, that young conservatives are just not going to take it anymore. We were with, we were with yeah. a member the other night. We were with a, me, we were with a member the not other night. Out of. And, we, and, and, and he told us, Gonna be a lot of fun with her there. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna bring some life to the Republican caucus. So. Uh, well, look, that's what I hope you know, to do, and look, hoping that I can inspire other members of Congress to really grow a pair or use the pair they were born for, born with, and and really start fighting back against the radical left because we can't allow for the voices of the radical left to be the loudest voices in Congress. We need to take back the House, and we need to save our country, and we need to support President Donald Trump because. You know, we can't allow for him to become a lame duck president. And, you know, it, it's horrible watching the abuse that he has to endure. I feel like what I have to deal with on a daily basis and what I've dealt with for the last few years is horrible. But, you know, I can't even imagine what President Trump deals with. And he doesn't need to be doing this, right? He's a billionaire. He doesn't even take a salary. He donates a salary back to people every day. So, you know, I just can't wait to, to be elected and to really show what real, re real leadership looks like. But, of course, it's going to take several millions of dollars to do so. You know, people should put their money where their mouth is and, and donate to my campaign, and they can do so at Laura Loomer for Congress. Where, where I want to they, say, say that, say that uh, again, just in case everyone can, should hear where, where do they, they can, should go. They can go to Laura Loomer for Look, as I mentioned before, I'm running against a Democrat Jew. This is the first time in U.S. history where a Republican Jewish candidate is going up against a Democrat self-hating Jew candidate uh, for for, for Congress. And so the Jews are going to be put on trial, right? There's a lot of people, but this district has 12.8% Jewish population, okay? And they're going to need to decide if they want to stand with a Republican fighter like myself who is going to fight for their survival, or somebody like Lois Frankel who voted for the Iran deal, somebody like Lois Frankel who stands with the Jew haters in Congress and won't condemn Ilhan Omar. So the choice is yours. But you can donate today at lauralumerforcongress.com. Thank you, Laura, so much for being with us. And uh, we're hoping to see you soon. Well, I hope to see you soon. I'll see you at the DOA gala. Take care. We will. See you there. All the best. You take care. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Wow. So that was really a great discussion with Laura. Very insightful with uh, the way only Laura Loomer can do it. And we hope you guys enjoyed. And we will see you again next week on Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Have a good night. You've been listening to The Moss Show. Broadcasted from the Socialist Republic of New York. But please, don't tell our governor he asked us to leave. They have no place in the state of New York. Tune in again next week, Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Or go to J Tribe Radio to listen to the podcast anytime on Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. 